Mission 823 is committed to defend, rescue, and restore the lives of at-risk and traumatized children in the country of Ukraine. We've been serving children for over 20 years since 2001 and uh, served these kids in multiple risk categories. We first became exposed to the suffering of these kids in the orphanages of Ukraine where we realized that they needed a lot more than just humanitarian assistance. They needed whole life support in the form of adoptive families. The risk categories for these kids include orphans living in the internet system. These are status orphans who have no living relatives and also those who come from abusive or neglectful families where their parental rights have been discontinued. Uh, refugees who have become displaced because of the war with Russia and those who are living inside the conflict zone. Poverty-stricken children, kids who have been exploited through forms of human trafficking. We work with the cyber police and the national police to combat human trafficking in Ukraine. Abused and neglected kids of all different types and then kids who have no homes. In addition to these risk categories, we also began to conduct youth camps for children because it's really necessary to build relationships with these kids. We can assess their needs and then provide resources for them. This gives us the ability to follow up with them and continue their relationships so that we can best serve them. And then we also began to uh, work with the chaplain corps for the Ukrainian military so that we can provide humanitarian assistance, especially water filters that are necessary to provide clean water for those who are living inside the war zone. There are so many different things that God's allowed us to be able to do in Ukraine, and we really need your assistance. The conditions for the children that we've just described are deteriorating because of the economy, because of difficulties with COVID, and obviously because of the war with Russia. And so we covet your prayers and we ask for your assistance that you would continue to join us as we work together to serve these children. You can directly assist us through our, our website and find more information at mission823.com. You can find us on social media on Facebook at Mission823 and on Instagram at Mission823INC, Inc. So thank you very much for your support, for your faithfulness, for your prayers. Please contact us if you have any questions about how to help these children, and we'll be glad to help you and look forward to your partnership. Thank you. Welcome, Brother Sean, as he comes.
Hey, brother. Hey, my friend. How are you? Hey, how about a selfie for the people in Ukraine? Okay, let's do that. Yeah, we can do that. Oh, I have my phone. We're going to take a selfie so that we can show support for the people of Ukraine who are literally under fire right now in Kiev. We've been talking this morning, so hey, let's let's get a, a good selfie. Everybody, Everybody smile. you want to do it because your arm's longer than me? <laughs> <laughs> I'm the worst at selfies. All right, just hit that bottom button whenever you put it. I, up. Yeah, yeah, there yeah. we go. There All right, go. now that's that's uh, that's All pretty right. good. Can everybody scoot to the middle? I'm <laughs> let's, let's do it this way. There we go. See if we can do it that way. Oops, no. <laughs> <laughs> You're an idiot. I love you. Oh, there we go. There we go. All right. Everybody, right here. One, two, three. Cheers. All right. All right. Oh, let's do it lower. There, there we go. All right. No, it's it's actually my um, selfie taking skills. It has nothing to do with the um, the the stature of anybody on the platform. <laughs> oh my goodness! Um, all right, I'm sending this picture to you just so you know. I don't want to forget to do it. All right, um, yeah, man, you're an idiot. I love it. Uh, <laughs> so good. Um, so we obviously have a good relationship. We've um, served alongside each other in Ukraine. Uh, several times. Uh, Sean is not here by himself, by the way. Um, before we move on, we need to recognize uh, Miss Amy. So, Miss Amy, will you just wave at everybody? This is Amy, y'all. Where Sean takes care of kind of like the upfront work, Amy does, uh, she is awesome at helping um, do all the administrative aspects of missions. And, and I just want you all to know, like, like with church and like with life, um, you have uh, you have both the upfront work and then you have the behind the scenes n- necessary work. And, um, and sometimes, you know, people who do the stuff up front get all the praise and all the adoration. Um, but uh, he knows that he couldn't travel yeah. if she wasn't there taking care of things at home. And so, Amy, we really value what you do with Mission 823. We thank you. Um, so... We just watched this video. Um, when was that video shot? Um, we, we completed that last Thursday. Last Thursday. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, Thursday, a week ago, you were in a uh, country. You're in uh, Ukraine. You got to go to Kiev. You got to go out to Ivano-Frankivsk. Yeah. Uh, putting the, put this video together as like, hey, here's a fresh promo for what's going on. Um, now, what's happened since then? Is that video still like what Mission 823 is about or um, do things over this last week change course for you? That, that video is always what Mission 823 is about. Um, however, um, you know, when, when you're handling people in crisis, you have to sometimes go into triage mode. Mm-hmm. And so the crisis has been severely escalated. Those, those children are still experiencing the same types of trauma that we described orphans, refugees, poverty-stricken kids, human trafficking, abuse, neglect. Only now um, they're afraid to pick up things in the street because they're disguised as toys and they're actually bombs. Mm. Um, there's missiles that are uh, falling on hospitals and on kindergartens. And so the same trauma exists, but it is ratcheted up to 
Um, I don't want to use the word nuclear level mm -hmm. uh, flippantly, but it is literally ratcheted up to the highest level of human stress possible in the world right now. So uh, things have significantly changed. Uh, we have redirected our resources to, obviously we're not doing social daily life clubs for children right now. What we're doing is refugee transport, refugee location, trying to identify the location of our people, trying to get back in communication with our people, uh, trying to move them to safety um, outside of direct conflict zones. I said relief inside the war zone mm -hmm. in that video. I meant at the time in the Donbass in the east, obviously every sector of Ukraine is under fire right now by cruise missiles and yeah. guided missiles and other uh, different types of attacks. And so that's expanded significantly. But um, right now we're doing a couple of things and focusing almost 100% of our attention on locating and moving to safety um, the people that we know and love and, and can help even outside of our group, uh, providing shelter for them at our facilities in the West, uh, trying to purchase new transportation as we speak uh, so that we can in, in, increase the number of seats that we have to move people to safety. And then fourthly, working on uh, trying to finish the repairs at the remaining house that's not yet open, just a few thousand dollars in a, in a couple of days, we'll be ready to um, house another 30 or 40 people at Faith House. And then um, setting up long-term relief, um, not only funding, but logistics through some major partners in the world right now, so. Yeah, um, yeah. so let's say this. So you were in country a week ago Thursday. Um, you said there was a war zone then. We in America, of course, those of us who are connected to Ukraine, we've known this, but a lot of Americans haven't known this or haven't paid too much attention to this. Um, and, and let me ask the question this way. So you're in country, you know, hey, Russia's amassing troops at the border. There's these rumblings of, you know, of an invasion or something like that. What is everybody thinking at that time in Ukraine that's going to look like? Um, you, you mentioned that the war has been going on for a long time. A lot yeah. of Americans are unaware of this. And we obviously don't blame anybody for this. It's just not a priority when there's not, you know, flaming missiles flying yeah. through the air. People just don't kind of put it to the back of their minds. I get that. But the reality is that um, Russia began to attack Ukraine militarily way back in 2014, late 2013, mm -hmm. while, while we were still there working during the Maidan revolution. Um, and the war actually started with incursions into Crimea, where they were occupied, and then uh, into the east and the Donbass region in 2014. And every day since then, up until today, um, that region has been bombarded by regular Russian military and special forces uh, every day for eight years. So people have been dying every single day. Kids have been wandering into landmine fields in Europe. The first tank battles in Europe since World War II have been occurring daily for the last eight years. And so this is a severe escalation, obviously, they're, they're nationwide. Um, but the, the feeling on the ground was, when we were talking to people, was he's bluffed before. He has approached the border in mass and called it military drills. Um, several times before, and we just kept on working. I, I have been there. As a matter of fact, you have been there three times 
while Russia was bombing the Donbass. I mean, your, your team and others like you from France, from Germany, from Moldova, from Canada, from the U.S., from Boston, from all over the world have been working alongside us under this threat for a very long time. And so the feeling was, okay, this is bigger than it's ever been. We hope that it's the biggest bluff ever. He'll feel the pressure from the rest of the world and retreat and call it a drill. Mm -hmm. um, we, we didn't exactly anticipate. We knew that he was demonstrating signs of absolute madness mm -hmm. in his addresses to the public, um, but we didn't think he'd go this far. But he's definitely convinced the world at this point that he has no sense of reason yeah. left, left in him. Yeah, and I think that's really important for people to understand. Like, why, was it, why were we talking about it so much? I mean, we talked to a friend of ours a week ago Saturday. Um, she is, um, she's from Ukraine. Her family's still there, and we are like, is everybody okay? And she's like, I think we're talking about it more here than they are over there. And why? Because for eight years, this has been happening. Um, you know, I don't want to get into uh, American politics I, aspect of it. Um, and, uh, but, you know, what's, whenever you think about like, hey, why, why, why was it not a bluff now whenever you think about Russia and Ukraine, right? Now everything else that's going on in the world, between Russia and Ukraine, why now and why not before, do you think? Uh, is there anything that Ukraine has done that you think made him kind of go like, hey, this is a moment that we have to start moving? I, I think there, there's not like a pinpoint in the timeline in yeah. the last you know, number of days, but what's happened is it is overtly obvious that Ukraine's intention is to continue down a road of absolute freedom and Western mentality towards uh, open markets, free market economies, a democratic republic, a constitutional republic where they vote for their leaders in free and fair elections, where they open business to the world, where they um, maximize their resources to be of value and of benefit to the world, and where they give ultimate freedom to all citizens and all visitors into the country. And that's maddening to a guy that's an imperialist or that's an ideologue like the leadership in, in Russia right now. And so the talk of over the last 20 years has been EU membership, European Union membership. And then um, in the last 10 years or so uh, talks about NATO membership and like like you said, I, I don't want to get political, and I, and I hope that I, that I don't. Obviously, I have opinions that would be bleeped. <laughs> um, but um, the, U Ukraine desires NATO membership. NATO is um, a defensive posture. They're not an aggressor. They're a defensive self-defense body only. They only respond to threats that are active against their members. Um, however, the leadership in Russia views that as an aggressive stance, as a proactive um, offensive stance, as opposed to a defensive stance. And so he does not want that level of antagonism touching his border. And Ukraine is the buffer, the borderland between Western thought and socialist imperialism mm -hmm. and he wants that 
DMZ, so to speak, even if it's in eternal chaos like he's done in Georgia and in other places around the world where he just stirs up this antagonistic chaos and he doesn't care if it ever gets resolved as long as he creates this DMZ where he can continue to buffer from Western thought. That's, that's what's uh, brought this to a, uh, a head is that leadership in Russia knows that Ukraine is committed with all of their strength to absolute freedom for their people and with the rest of the world, and he can't tolerate that. Yeah, and you know, you mentioned the Maidan revolution. Uh, when did that happen? Uh, um, late late 2013 yeah. uh, was the Maidan revolution. About 150,000 people were protesting downtown Kiev on Krushchev built a fortress literally a mile long and 50 feet high. We're fighting back against the Berkut police um, due to the fact that uh, some of their college students were protesting against unfair mandates. I'm sure you can appreciate that word. Mm -hmm. That's, this is where that led. Mm -hmm. um, mandates mm -hmm. can lead to total world destruction. Mm -hmm. um, so they, they were protecting their children against um, the abuses of the police in downtown Kiev, and it escalated to the point where there was a, a militarized fortress of civilians in downtown Kiev, and then snipers were called in to begin to disperse the crowd, and that's where the whole thing fell apart. Yeah. That, that's when the war started, was in February of 2014. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I remember when we were first in Ukraine, it would have been... Uh, 2016. Yeah, 2016 was our first year in Ukraine, that was just a couple years after it. we were there yeah. in Kiev, where this had happened just a couple years before. You would never even notice that it had happened. Outside of memorials that people had set up, they had completely rebuilt. And, and I kind of bring that up because, you know, not only has Ukraine been pushing towards freedom, and they've also been trying to clean up things within their own their own government right it's not just like hey we want to be free it's hey we have we have a beam in our eyes and so that you know so they've actively been saying hey we want to address corruption and um and injustice that's coming down from here but because of that uh you know this view of the city being rebuilt it tells me that this is a very resilient um group of people and uh, I, I, wanna, I wonder, how have you felt over like the last few days seeing uh, Ukrainian nationals stand up and rise up um, as they are? Two, two things um, immediately and constantly with me over the last number of years and especially exacerbated in the last couple of days. But um, I think there's appropriate times for Christian people, for Christ followers people that followed the shepherd, who followed the gentle savior. Mm -hmm. I think there are appropriate times for expressions of righteous anger, mm -hmm. for righteous indignation. I, I would have to say from my perspective, you can disagree, um, but from my perspective, um, righteous anger for the injustice that's occurring against Ukraine is, is uh, justified yeah. right now. And so I'm extraordinarily angry. Mm -hmm. um, in the name of Jesus. <laughs> yeah. And, and I mean that with all sincerity. As much as is possible in this tiny little frail, faulty frame, I am submitting myself to the control of the Holy Spirit. I prayed yesterday and today for Vladimir Putin and for the Russian people and the leadership that mm -hmm. are executing this 
these acts against Ukraine for their salvation, that they would repent. I pray everything inside of the will of God completely surrendered to him, and I trust him. I tell, I tell him, I don't understand, I don't like it, I'm mad, please stop it. But do everything inside of the course of your own will, and I trust you with that. Yeah. That's, that's, that seems like a contradiction, but mm -hmm. that's, that's where I am. So, uh, anger, um, sadness, and a resolve has been strengthened as in us. We've always had a commitment. My wife and I, for the last 22 years, have had a strong, undying, unwavering, nothing will stop us commitment to serve the children of Ukraine and the people of Ukraine. Um, that has been solidified in a way that you can't even imagine to the death. Um, we're ready to continue to serve and continue to serve under even dangerous circumstances. We're ready to go, to work, to serve. And quite frankly, as soon as there's any indication that there's a border open, I'll have teams there. So. Mm -hmm. um, and we'll talk about those teams in just a second, but just to kind of uh, pick up on what you were talking about there, I mean, I think that's it's a necessary thing for us to learn these lessons and these moments that, you know, you read those Psalms um, where there are desperate pleas and cries and anger and angst and... Um, and even imprecation, right? Um, destroy them. You're like, ah, but, 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 flip that, <laughs> flip that page. Well, the fact of the matter is, is those cries come out of real experience. And until you can kind of identify either that you've had those own experiences or identify with somebody else in those experiences, those might seem like, oh, that doesn't look very Christian-y. That doesn't look very much like a Sunday morning. Tell me the story of Jesus. And it doesn't. Um, but here's the thing that I love, and I don't even have to be theological about this in the sense of like, well, what's happening here is, well, no. What I love about the God that we serve is he welcomes us as we are. And really what I believe is that whenever we come to him and we go, God, I'm angry and I don't get it. Right. And I'm so frustrated. And, 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 and really even scripture says, and I don't know what you're doing about it. Yeah. You don't seem to be doing anything about it. How dare you? Yeah. Such doubt, my friend. Such no. But when we do that, we open ourselves to the Spirit actually leading us to a place. And that's the thing. Like, that's what Scripture is about. Scripture is not about me showing up for God. It's about me always understanding that, Lord, I need you. And I need you because my heart is broken. And I can't, I can't fix it. I can't make sense of it. I am angry. I'm, I'm so mad. I could, I could sp spit nails, as my dad used to say. And, and really, a moment like this, we go, oh, that's what they were experiencing. And it's a moment like this that we open ourselves, if we can come before God and we can say, God, I don't get it. I'm angry. I'm frustrated. I know that you, like, I know in your, your goodness, you want rescue for everybody. Um. And I, and I kind of want that, God, but I don't want it for some people right now. But I trust, right? Like, if we could bring that all to him, the Spirit moves in, and the Spirit speaks to us, and the Spirit rouses us, and the Spirit can give new resolve to say, you know what? No matter what happens, I don't care if I go into hostile territory. Amy might not like me going into hostile territory, 
to yeah, go I'll have to say that this, this was the first trip that I've ever taken. Um, some of you know this, some of you don't. I'm, I'm a firearms instructor as well. It's kind of my hobby, hobby business. And so I have stuff in a safe, you know. Um, this is the first time I ever packed my ballistic vest with rifle plates mm-hmm. to go to Ukraine and a radar tracking device, I mean a, a GPS tracking device. Um, the, the other aspect of this emotional response, though, is not just, not just anger, not just misunderstanding and doubt and then asking God to forgive my doubt and <laughs> increase my faith and make me a better Christian human, you know, um, like everybody has done. But, but there's also this heartbrokenness for people that we know personally. And you, you can experience this. I know uh, your wife can certainly experience this because we've been communicating on a minute-by-minute basis with people that we've fallen in love with in Ukraine. And, you know, for the last 72 hours plus, every five minutes, I have to give uh, all of the speaking engagements, I have to give my phone and my, and my watch to my wife so that I'm not distracted by just desperate cries, come get us, come help us. Um, yesterday morning, uh, I, I received a, or two days ago, received a, uh, a message from... Uh, a gentleman who is a good friend of of our uh, our ministry. He and his mother run uh, a ministry to more than 500 handicapped people that are wheelchair bound in Kiev. Where are they supposed to go? Hmm. He called me from the basement of a kindergarten in downtown Kiev and said, "There are people here with me in wheelchairs. Please, please come get us." and take us to America. His name is Anton. You know his name. Pray for Anton. He's mm. in a wheelchair with more than 500 people who are in wheelchairs trapped in Kiev. Our director, Irina, is in an apartment building trapped by a curfew. There are Russian soldiers outside of her home. She can't leave to get on the highway to go to our camp in the West. And videos are being released of Vladimir Putin talking about just absolute insanity. Mm-hmm. Um, the first Christian that I ever met, the first human being that ever smiled at me in Ukraine in 1995, is Larissa Pahilko. She's the most precious, most precious human being you'll ever meet. We'll give you everything in her life. She lives in an apartment literally the size of this piano. Hmm. Pray for Larissa. She's trapped on 50 years October Street, just on the west side of Kiev, surrounded by Russian soldiers and Chechen mercenaries that have been hired. So we know these people's names. We know their lives. We've literally sat at their tables mm-hmm. and broken bread with them. You have with Yakubovsky, and you've been with us in, at Smile House with the Resmir family. The Resmir family at Smile House is obviously no longer a part of our ministry. They've you know, partnered with another organization, but we love them. We help to rescue every single one of those children. They're, our, they're very, very dear friends. They're hunkered down in the basement in Western Kiev right now. Pray for the Resmir family. Pray for Mana Worldwide. Pray for Smile House. Pray for all of the children that have moved away from the home that are living in the city now without parental or family support. They're independent adults. We know their names. Mm-hmm. We know their life stories. We've seen their transformation. And they're alone. Um, just pray for, yeah. pray for our people. We will do that. Um, 
you know, you talked about like logistics of moving people and uh, getting people. Now you're kind of, you're in triage mode and now it's, you have a refugee crisis on your hands. Um, you know, tell them what happened as we were sitting down in our, our living room last night. You get a, you get a, a message from a brother whose sister is over there in Ukraine. And can you kind of explain that situation a little bit? Um, yeah, basically there's a, a young lady, uh, a friend of ours, uh, has a, a sister there who was born in Ukraine, was adopted into their family. So she was an orphan who was adopted into an American family and grew up in the United States and went back to Ukraine to visit. And the conflict started in Kyiv and she was trapped inside the city with three or four of her friends and on foot. I don't know if you understand how big Ukraine is, but if you can imagine going from Dallas, Fort Worth to let's say Odessa on foot, it's the size of the state of Texas. So that's what she was trying to accomplish in desperation, trying to escape the city. She has no transport, has no friends with transport. So on foot hitchhiking, you know, made her way all the way to Western Ukraine, the city of Lviv, and was able to get on a bus and go to the border. And we were trying to locate her all night last night. And she's on a bus right now in safety, out of the weather with her friends crossing the border into Poland. But for more than 24 hours, we didn't know what her location was. She was stuck on the side of the road with Russian soldiers, you know, at checkpoints and, and hiding for her safety, but she's, she's in safety now. But that's, that's the scenario that we've been repeating over and over and over again is trying to locate and provide for resource transport people like that for yeah. the last 72 hours. Um, and so people are calling you, they're calling your organization and saying, Hey, we need help and we need some logistical support. And not only do you have the logistical support there in, uh, in Ukraine, but now you have partners outside of Ukraine as well that are going to help on the receiving end of these. Um, and so, um, yeah, uh, well, A, I just, I thank you for what you're doing. And also, I think as we think about praying for those others, this is something that specifically we need to pray for him. Um, like you said, he's constantly being bombarded with calls with, um, hey, can we move, you know, here's this person and here's a need and how can we resource that uh, need? How can we um, reach out to it? So he needs our prayers. He needs to be bathed in our prayers. Um, outside of praying, um, one of the things that we, we've discovered here at Friends about this Church um, is that uh, we who've been given much as far as financial um, and blessings, uh, we can actually take that and we can help others. Uh, what's kind of, what, what's the need there? What does that look like for y'all right now? I mean, I know it's all very new, right. um, but what would that look like for y'all? Um, top, top priorities right now are, um, uh, support for the people who are passing through and who are staying at our two facilities, um, in Western Ukraine. Camp Willow Park is, um, able to 
uh, we learned the hard way very quickly. Uh, doing camp with children with bodies just laying all over the floor and having 100 <laughs> people in the house is very different than having adults with families. And so we can't handle 100 yeah. at Camp Willow Park. However, 50 um, turns out to be like the breaking point number where everybody doesn't go crazy. Um, so we can handle 50 there. And at that quantity of people, we require about $5,000 a month to be able to support them. So these people are passing through, some are staying, some are passing through and staying for the night, but there's a constant flow of people coming through these facilities. It requires about $5,000 a month to support just that effort. Mm -hmm. Our next nearest goal is to set the fixtures, the plumbing fixtures um, that are laying on the floor at Faith House. We have water, we have electricity, we have heat, we have gas, we have lights. Everything is available and ready to go, and the fixtures are sitting on the floor. We need to expedite the connection of those so that we can bring in another 40 people over at Faith House. And so that's the next nearest uh, priority. The third would be uh, immediate purchase of a second and third vehicle. Uh, we need to provide transport for people who are fleeing from the east and provide transport for people who need to get to the border um, and hire, hire drivers full-time until this um, uh, crisis subsides to the point where it stabilizes. Uh, so that's our, our third priority. And then fourth would be um, long-term support, monthly support for um, the rebuilding process completely unknown what that's going to look like depending on Russia's response and the world's response. We could be operating in perpetuity under Russian occupation, which we're willing to do. You know, it would be the same as me going and starting a ministry in Russia right now. That would probably be allowed. It would be under severe restrictions and we'd have to work through a lot of loopholes. It's not like Ukraine. But if that turns out to be the case, that's the way we'll continue. If Ukraine is liberated, then there will be a rebuilding process that will required the rest of my life um, to try to, uh, you know, restore uh, Ukraine and, and its people to any sense of normalcy. This has altered the face of Ukraine for the rest of our lives. Um, and so long-term operational monthly support would be the last, last tier goal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, thank you for that information. Um, you know, uh, my heart is just so... So overwhelmed this morning, uh, thinking about the horror, uh, thinking about the real names of people that we know, um, and then also thinking about the task that's ahead of them. Um, you know, kind of as we're as we're kind of you know, getting to a place where we can wrap up. You know, one of the things that we talked about, oh, uh, and I think it's kind of. Again, it's because of that surprise. We're not sure if he's bluffing or not. Um, but, you know, how prepared were individuals to be going, hey, I'm leaving my house and I might not ever see it again? Um, prepared or not prepared at all? Um, in the back of your mind is not prepared. Yeah. You know, um, you, you have to understand that if that type of a threat were around the borders of Texas, we have a very different sense of preparation here. I mean, my safe would be open, my vest would be on, my mm -hmm. boots would be on, you know, I would be running towards, and the rest of the federal government of the United States would be backing that effort. You know, and so there would be a very different response. However, if we had been under that threat repeatedly and then withdrawn, repeatedly and then withdrawn multiple occasions 
for the last eight years, would we immediately spring into action? I mean, can you fault the Ukrainians for saying, well, he's just crazy, he's going to do it again? And so, no, they, they, they weren't prepared to flee or to fight, um, although they're putting up a very, very strong show of preparation militarily right now. Um, but in general, the population was not prepared, and now, now they're caught off guard, and, and we're scrambling to try to meet and those so, needs. And so just kind of the practical things that come about that, not only getting transport, but uh, did they have a bunch of, did they go empty their bank account and get a bunch of cash um, out? Well, almost immediately, the banking systems were hacked, and, um, and then electronically, you know, it was, it was very difficult. And so basically what's happening is these folks, imagine being under an immediate threat and having to leave your home with what you have on your back and what you can throw in your car without having access to your bank and not knowing where you could possibly go, just leaving, just driving as fast as you could away from the city, not knowing where your destination's going to be, if you have any shelter, if there's any food or water, if there's any friendly people waiting for you. These people are running for their lives blindly and, and have no options. They're discovering these options that folks like us and our networks are providing on the road as they're fleeing. Yeah. Um, and, you know, to kind of speak to, you know, like, us understanding that, like, hey, you know, be prepared, and then what, what do we prepare for? I think about every hurricane that comes through here. You know, I mean, Hurricane Katrina came in uh, to New Orleans, and uh, the next hurricane that came in, Rita, caused the world's largest traffic jam, people trying to get out of Houston. Uh, and then the next hurricane, everybody's like, I'm not doing that again. You know, <laughs> like, we know what it's like. And, and even I remember Hurricane Harvey came in and being very devastating in our region. And, um, and, you know, like a bunch of idiots the night before Hurricane Harvey uh, actually descended upon us, uh, my, we were going, bring it on, Hurricane. No, you know, bring it on, Harvey. And then Harvey was like, hey, well, here I am. Um, and so we know what it's like to have that sense of what's the point of this. Um, but then also I think about this, like, you know, like last year, and y'all were here in Houston. I don't know why y'all keep bringing cold weather to Houston, but y'all do. But um, last year y'all were here during the freeze, and... Um, y'all got stuck in a situation where you showed up to a hotel, there's no electricity, you, they're like, but come on in anyways, you get up to your room, you can't get water because the pump's out, right, because there's no electricity, right, and so you know that on a small scale, and we know that on a small scale, that like sometimes even if you, uh, you some things come upon you and, 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 and you can't be prepared for them, and the reason why I want us to kind of like bring this out is just so that we can get that connection with people like this isn't just a missile coming it is a family going where are we going to go and where are we going to go and we have hundreds of miles to get there and we only have a quarter tank of gas because we didn't go fill up our gas yesterday and that's the logistical support that y'all are providing those kinds of things Um, so yeah well thank you Um, I guess you know I think we've you know, as far as seeing what's going on there, uh, you've given us some really great understanding this morning, um, sharing your heart with us uh, very uh, clearly and the need with us and how we can partner. Not only we're going to be praying, how we can financially partner. Um, you did bring this, and I wanted to come back to it. You said, hey, once this initial phase is over, whether it looks like 
Russia is now occupying or um, or Ukraine's liberated, uh, you said you would be taking teams back. What would that look like if you were to take teams back? And I'm just kind of want to. I just want to give people a vision of hey, there's a way that you could actually, you know, go and 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 be boots on the ground if you if you had the energy, time, energy, resources. Um, well, under under both of those scenarios, whether it's under Russian occupation or Ukrainian is is liberated. Um, our first response, once we're able to get through the border, um, would be to take um, disaster relief and crisis relief teams, which would involve men who are healthy, who are strong, who are fully and completely mobile, no impairments whatsoever, um, somebody that can actually keep up with a squirrel. <laughs> because, um, so we would be recruiting some really, really hardy, you know, robust individuals to go with us and to serve. It, it will be back-breaking, horrible conditions, sleeping and eating Do you think, like, if you things. were going to describe a guy like that, you would describe him like a manimal, probably? <laughs> something like that? Is that, would, that, would that be good? <laughs> yeah, so, um, yes, manimal. Iceman, just look him up on YouTube, yeah. Iceman. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that would be our first response, would be to bring in disaster relief um, and trauma relief teams to put their hands to the work. I mean, we're, we're talking about cleaning up rubble, putting dwelling places back together so that people have immediate shelter, bringing in water and food and medicine, medical supplies, working with disaster relief teams, kind of like the American Red Cross kind of a response. Um, we would probably work with some of our new partners to provide security details to go with us. Um, and so this is not going to be youth camp and let's take selfies. <laughs> this, is <laughs> this is going to be a, a very, very robust um, response, rapid, mobile, moving teams. Um, second level would be uh, more trauma relief, and that would be related to trying to find permanent, um, uh, permanent shelter uh, for people who have been displaced, um, and then providing trauma relief in the form of counseling and long-term medical care, um, you know, trying to, trying to rebuild residences for long-term. Um, and then third level, possibly several years down the road, would be back to a, a sense of normalcy where we're having youth camps for traumatized children, again, yeah. to a much higher degree, but um, providing a, a much more frequent and robust response with volunteer teams. Yeah. Um, I think the question that I want to close us out on is this, is um, Africa, over the last, you know, 20 years and more, uh, there's been wars, there's been fighting over there, you know, you, people might go, well, why didn't you bring that need to our attention? You know, that kind of thing. Um, we know that there's, there's traumatized children in our backyard, you know, um, and, uh, and so, you know, there, there, there comes this thing, like, not only is this happening in the world, but, but why would you say, like, there's a, like a unique necessity for a country like Ukraine to receive Western support, um, good disciples of Jesus Christ coming in and supporting them in this way? There's a, there's a couple of aspects of that, um, and I've worked in Central and South America. I've worked in Southeast Asia. I've worked in Africa for two years. I was the African director for a global organization and built feeding centers and dug water wells, built churches and schools in Malawi, and have seen those, those conditions of the most abject poverty in the world. Um, uh, you know, I've 
heard stories of and personally talked to evacuation teams and relief teams in Haiti, which is one of those locations that, like I'm describing some of these areas of the world where those conditions will perpetually exist and they will never recover fully from those they do because their innocent children uh, justify a robust response from the world to try to alleviate their suffering. Um, but there are locations in the world, not putting any names on any particular people or blame on any particular people, but there are locations in the world where there will never be a chance for permanent recovery. One of the reasons why Ukraine is important to me, not the primary, but one of the reasons why it's important to me is because not only is Ukraine geopolitically and geographically located in a very strategic location, they're literally in the crossroads of the entire world between Asia and Europe, between Russia and the Middle East, which is prophetic in nature. Hmm. It's biblical uh, in, in nature. And so because of that strategic importance, I think um, there's a spiritual overtone to that. Um, so one of the reasons why is because um, Ukraine has potential and has exhibited desire and the will to move towards freedom and independence, a free and fair state. Um, another reason would be because of its biblical and geopolitical strategic location in the world. Um, uh, a third reason would be when people ask me, um, why would I spend a dime on a child overseas when there are children suffering right here in the United States, I've had people actually say, I will never send a dime to a child overseas as long as we have poverty in America. And, and my response in the completion of that, that answer would be, um, that's a really, really short-sighted understanding of how the world works. Mm -hmm. Jesus said, the poor you have always with you, serve them anyway. Mm -hmm. God has called individuals to serve here in the United States, the children and people who are suffering. God has called us to do the same thing, and we give regularly through our church so that those things can happen on a massive scale. We give sacrificially and abundantly so that we can alleviate some of those concerns here in the United States. But our vocational responsibility and our heart is called like a laser to the children who are suffering in Ukraine. That doesn't mean that I'm not prioritizing the needs of suffering here in the United States. It means that God has given me a special tender spot in our hearts for, for those people, and God's given you a particular tender spot for a certain other group. That's how the world can alleviate the suffering of people around us is because we all have different giftings and desires. And, you know, the guy that's talking to me in a gun shop about not supplying the needs of kids overseas, he can't learn Russian. Mm -hmm. How would he ever help those people personally? So it's, it's not about being selfish or self-centered or greedy. It's about giftings and skills and callings um, and desires that God places on your heart and serve where you're planted. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's what we're doing. Yeah. No, that's good. And um, that's one of the things that I would encourage people with is, you know, we don't see Ukraine as the only need in this world. We just have our hearts have been, you know, um, our hearts have been open to Ukraine. And uh, and, and if you all know our story, uh, it was not an easy trip for us to make for our hearts to get open to Ukraine. We spent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so we know that it was like a move of the Lord to move our hearts at Friends of Baptist Church towards um, heavily investing in this but it's not uh an aspect of like well we like these people better than those people it's just 
hey, we feel called to this. And so here's what I would say is I don't want anybody to come in here and go like, well, I mean, I should feel a certain way. If the Holy Spirit of God has not moved your heart, we're not here to guilt you into, you know, caring about Ukraine. Like we, we are not here to go like, hey, give us, you know, money just because there is this. We want you to actually go, hey, Lord, this is a ministry that I've got to learn about. This is or people that are in, a, in this plight. And Lord, um, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to participate? And really let the Spirit of God uh, speak to you. And, and I promise you, if the Spirit of God hasn't like drawn you, uh, I think he's drawn you this far, let's just say that. But if he hasn't drawn you beyond that, trust that. Trust that. Trust that God goes, hey, I don't need you to, I'm not calling you well to this. I'm calling this person up to this. Uh, and, the, and I say that because the enemy is so crafty. He's so clever. Our enemy likes to use uh, guilt tactics, shame tactics, accusatory tactics against us. Well, you must not be a very good Christian if you went and sat there and watched or heard this man's heart and you did not feel moved. Huh? He, the enemy said the same thing. If you are the son of God, couldn't you do this? If you are, if you are, if you are. Do not let the enemy guilt you. And I say that uh, pastorally and, uh, and I encourage you all that uh, if your heart is moved, uh, let it be the Spirit of God that moves you. And uh, Paul says, test the spirits. One of the chief, chief ways of testing the spirits is this. Is it coming with an affirmative voice? Hey, because you're my child and because you've heard this, you, and because I've given you so much, you have an opportunity. That's a good word from God. If it's coming at you like, if you were so, if you, th- if you, were, if you weren't so worried about blah, 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 that's the enemy. The enemy will accuse you. And so, um, so I say all that in conclusion, because we do want you to help. <laughs> we do want you to support them. Um, we want you to pray for them. Um, I received a, a message from my friend Vadim over there, and the military, like a, 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 a the military, sent this out to its citizens, and it said, "Listen," uh, <clears throat> it said, "like there are things that are happening that are inexplainable." There are bullets that are missing us and there's shells that are not hitting. Uh, sometimes we're like, uh, we're like ghosts in front of the enemy. And the military sent it out to its citizens to say, your prayers are working. So whenever we say, hey, pray, we're not like getting warm fuzzy and just like we're saying, go plead the throne. What I think was so interesting about receiving that was the night before, the, I, I guess simultaneously, my sister, she posted something that said, I was praying that the soldiers, that the Ukrainian soldiers would be ghosts in front of the Russians. That's good. And I was like, "Woo! God heard that prayer. Yeah. And so we can join in that. So I want y'all to know that. Uh, support, financially support, it's practical. You just, they need, they need it. If you have it and you have the ability to do it and God moves you, give it. And, and, and I'm, I, I trust this. I trust that anything that you ever give, like the Lord has a way of providing, but I don't tell you to give because if you do this, you're going to receive. What if it costs you something? What if it's sacrificial and you, and you do have to lose out some things? Can't we, can't we lay that down on the altar and say, here's, that's yours too, God. Um, and, uh, and so if you want to be able to, um, know, be able to do that, we've had this up on the screen, uh, donate to that immediate need at mission823.com. If, um, if you want to give through Friends of Baptist Church, uh, friendsofbaptist.com slash give. Um, if you, um, if you are led, then let the Lord lead you that way. Um,
And here's what I would say is thank you. Amy, thank you. Thank you for devoting your lives to uh, this country. Thank you for bringing us in and letting us partner with you. Uh, it's a joy to me uh, to be able to partner with you all. 